Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Of course, we're not going to be perfect. But that has to be a profession that leads to this amazing thing called a a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Now, the original language, what Jesus just said was this. Keep on denying. Keep on making God number one. Keep on making God's will what you want to do. And number three, keep on following. The whole goal was for to follow Jesus is to become like him. It's to become like him and think like him. and, and, And be like him in character and minister like Jesus so we could change our world. You were born physically into this world, but you were born without the Spirit of God in your soul. You were born spiritually dead. Yes, God created you, but He gave you a free will to decide for yourself where you will spend eternity. God never forces anyone to accept Jesus as their Savior. He simply offers a warm invitation to anyone who wants to have their sins forgiven and go to heaven. Salvation is a free gift, paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We must accept God's gift of eternal life or it will be forever forfeited when we die. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 3 for our continuing study entitled Your Soul is Priceless. Trust is the basis of relationships. When I lay down at night, my wife's with me, 48 years, yes. If I don't trust her, I don't sleep well. But I never go to bed and go, hmm, wonder what she did with the money today. Would she have a separate bank account? Did she have an affair this week? No, trust is the basis of relationship. So when I learn to trust God, you'll see in a moment That means I trust him enough to follow him. So as you look at these, here's the question that should come to your mind. When I repent, when I believe and start a relationship with God, what do I get? I get peace of mind. I get forgiveness of sins. I get the guarantee of heaven. I get life right here. I get fullness and purpose and meaning in my life. I'm not empty. I'm not lonely. I got all kinds of friends. It, life's still tough, but I have God living in me. He comes to live inside me. And it's a, the, the Christian life is the most awesome life in all the world. We, we have everything we need, and God provides everything that I can't provide. It's awesome. Could I hear an amen from three of you out there because of that? Okay, I even heard that from Melbourne. That's good. Now, here's our question. Huge question. This teaching is not just for you. This teaching is for those folks that we know that don't understand any of these principles. So here's the question. Pastor Mark, if Christianity is that amazing, and it is, 
why doesn't everybody just become a Christian? I mean, if I can go to heaven, guaranteed, if I have my sins forgiven, I have a personal relationship with God when I need wisdom, I get it. Why doesn't everybody become a believer? Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You'll see where this is. And you might have heard this verse, but I'm going to give you the answer. And this is so important for us. 2 Corinthians, here it is. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read it out in the New Living Translation. Paul writes, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds. We'll talk about that in a more. Our minds of those unbelievers, of those who don't believe. Watch it. This is huge. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They cannot make sense of what I just said. It's too good to be true. That's impossible. It won't happen. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ and what we get and who is the exact likeness of God. That's why everybody that hears the gospel doesn't believe because it makes no sense to them. Remember, the battlefield is our minds. What we think, we become. So watch this this statement. Here's what happens. It's the battle against Satan's lies and God's truth of the word. Look at this next statement. Our thoughts determine who we are, how we live, here's a big one, where we will spend eternity. The decisions I make today turn around and make me tomorrow. You are where you are right now because of your thoughts. What we think, the Bible says, is what we become. So what does Satan say to these people? He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's blinded the unbeliever to the truth of God's word, the Bible. He causes people who are unbelievers basically to think about this world, temporal things, about the things on earth, power, possessions. He causes people on earth to think and believe they will absolutely go to heaven. Why? Because they're a good person. But good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And see, where did that thought come from? Where did that concept come from? So God tells us the truth, but Satan is always in there with his lies. Well, you don't want to be a part of that church. That church stuff is ridiculous. Look at the hypocrites in the church or whatever. Satan's the biggest hypocrite of all. So when you begin thinking about that, I've been praying all weekend for all of our campuses. And I want you to understand my prayer this morning, that you will get it that your eyes will be open to the truth, that you'll be able to answer Jesus' question to those people, that everyone that walks out of our campus this morning, they will be able to say this, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm following right now, I'm not perfect, but I desire to be what God wants him to be, and I know when I die where I'm going, and it's not because I'm a good person, it's because Jesus Christ died for me. Notice Satan blinds eyes. I'm asking God will open our eyes. I can't open your eyes. But God can. When Paul was, Paul's eyes were blinded. He was religious. Religion is a huge 
you know, a, a negative thing in Christianity. And one day, God blinded him to the truth. And then he gave him his kind of purpose, his mission. And God said to Paul, I'm going to send you to open blinded eyes. You find that in Acts 26. You see, he couldn't open it, but Paul taught the word. I'm teaching the word. The truth of God's word this morning can open every single eye spiritually to the truth of God's word. Now, so two things I want you to remember when you leave this place today. One, your soul is priceless. You can't, you can't trade anything for it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's priceless. And here's the second thing. Write it down this morning. It'll seem, it'll seem crazy to you, but it's very true. Christianity is not complicated. Just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. I don't know either one of them, but I know how to follow Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Now, here's our question. Well, Pastor Mark... What does it really mean to be born again, like Jesus said to Nicodemus? What does that mean? And what do you mean by follow Jesus? What does that actually look like? Jesus answered that question. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16, if you will. Matthew 16. And this, these four or five verses are repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that tells us it's a hugely important thing here in Vieira. It's huge. Matthew 16, 24. Now remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples and the crowd around him. Let's look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples and the other people, circle this word in your Bible. If, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to have a relationship with me, if anyone wants to be a Christian, if anyone wants to be a Christ follower, if, see, if, if you want a life here and have eternal life forever, then you have to choose. Jesus never forces anything. He brings them to the point where they have to make the decision. See, he's not going to make the decision for you. Everything's been done. All these people around Jesus, they like what's happening. And he says, okay, if you really want to have a relationship, if... I'm going to give you three requirements. Here's how to do it. It's not join Calvary Chapel or be part of I was raised Catholic all my life. Everybody says that to me all the time, whatever. This, that, and that. It has nothing to do with the church. There was no church. Watch what he says. Let's finish the verse. If anyone would come after me, here's, here's the three requirements. And it involves commitment, a promise to actually follow through. Watch what he says. Look at the Bible. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In other words, if you believe in me, and you want a relationship with me here on earth and go to heaven, it's going to require a commitment. And here's those three requirements. Number one, these have never changed. Jesus made this statement 2,000 years ago. Number one, Commit to deny ourselves. All that means is quit making ourselves number one. The world's philosophy is this. Love yourself, pamper yourself, indulge yourself. Make sure you're number one because nobody's going to take care of you. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Quit living for self. Quit making yourself number one. Make God number one. All he's saying is this, 
if you sit here this morning in Vieira or Melbourne or Sebastian and this world revolves around you, that's wrong. It should revolve around God. Now, may God, number one, did we ever hear that in the Old Testament? Hello, first commandment, have no other gods before. So Jesus just said this, this is the way I live. He always made God, number one in his life, he says, you're going to have to do this. If you want to follow me, you can't live independent. You can't be out doing your thing. Number two, write this down this morning. Commit, take up our cross, which means choose God's will over my will. That's all it means. Choose God's will over my will. Watch how that works. Here's, here's my will, the way I want to do life. This is part of the cross right here. Here's God's will. What God wants me to do, this is what I want to do. Jesus said, you're going to have to take up your cross. And the one that always wins is God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus pray? Father, can can you find another way without me going to the cross? And God said, no. So he said, then your will, not my will. That's all it is. By the way, As you live a Christian life, you'll discover that God's will is best for you every single time. Even if it requires trouble and difficulty and whatever, because he's working all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I I found in in the Message Bible, you can't use it for doctrine, but I love the statement. Watch this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. That's pretty clear, isn't it? In other words, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, hello, this is very complicated. I'll put your thinking cap on. You have to follow me. You can't be in front of me. You can't be saying, hey, come on. Or you can't be, well, I'm going off doing my thing. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. Where are you? Where are you? Come on to my rescue. Thank you. I'll see you. I'm in trouble again. We've been there, haven't we? He said, no, no, no. Quit it. Quit it. His will, not your will. In other words, I'm in the driver's seat, says God. Follow me. Number three, commit, promise to follow Jesus every day. He leads, we follow. Can I say something that confuses people? It goes along with what I just told you from Matthew. We did this, we did this, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Confessing Christ must lead to a commitment to follow Christ. You see, we have lots of people who make confessions. They repent, they believe, but they never follow. So the confession never became the possession of salvation. If that's you today, Satan's confused you and and you don't even know it. And you think you're absolutely going to heaven because you made some profession X number of years, but you've never changed. No, there has to be a real change. Of course, we're not going to be perfect. But that has to be a profession that leads to this amazing thing called a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Now, the original language, what Jesus just said was this. Keep on denying. Keep on making God number one. Keep on making God's will what you want to do. And number three, keep on following. The whole goal was for to follow Jesus is to become like him. It's to become like him and think like him and, and, and be like him in character and minister like Jesus so we could change our world. Now, 
Jesus knew as those people listened to that, they're saying this to themselves. Is that, is that really worth it? They're not saying this to Jesus. They're turning to their neighbor. Some of you are saying that on our campuses right now. Really? I've got to give up my will to go to heaven? Is that really worth it? Jesus knew they were saying that. By the way, let me say this to you this morning. It will cost you to serve Jesus Christ. But it will cost you a lot more not to serve Jesus Christ. So Jesus answers their question. Look at the verse. Look at the next verse. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what you're thinking right now. Remember, the battle is in the mind. And all these thoughts come in at the same time. So watch what Jesus says in verse 25. After he makes these three requirements, he said, you really want to follow me? Here's what to do. Boom, boom, boom. And watch what. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. He, he knew that this spiritual warfare was real. And Satan was saying to these people, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to give up power and possession and pleasure and position, are you, to follow him? Jesus says there's some hindrances coming. I know Satan's going to be after you. Your old flesh nature's going to say, I want to do it my way. So Jesus says, for whoever, if you're going to try to save your life yourself and do life by yourself, you will lose your life. What does he mean by that? You will lose your soul. But if you lose your life for my sake, and that doesn't mean we don't get anything. How many know this morning as a Christian, we're blessed the socks off of us? If I had time, I'd take my socks off to show you this morning because your nose isn't the most important thing. All right, let's go on. So what is Jesus saying? The first hindrance is our temptation to deny ourselves what I want to do. I'm not following him if I can't do what I want to do. Here's Jesus' logic. Anyone who's thinking clearly, when they look at the benefits of following Jesus, what he just said makes sense. You mean I get to be a Christian? I get to have my sins forgiven? I get the guarantee of going to heaven? I have peace, I have purpose, I have meaning, but I'm going to have to actually follow you and do what you want? That's an old brainer I go for it. But Satan comes in, and he does it very differently. I want to show you in verse 25, same one you just read, but the New Living Translation. Look how it says. And when we get to these last five words, I want every campus, I want us to read it out loud. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, not a church, not a religion, not a pastor, for me, Jesus, let's read it together, all of our campuses, you will find True life. What is true life? It's abundant life here and eternal life there. He said, now, what, what's he saying? Losers are keepers. Losers are winners. Losers are winners. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Say that to a football team. Losers are winners and keepers. Now, you, you can try to kind of play around here, but if you hoard your life and cling to it and grasp it and take care of ourselves, trust ourselves, 
you will never discover real life. Or we can follow him, do his will, and we have purpose and meaning, as I said to you. Now, there was another temptation. Jesus knew it was coming. It's the same. And the second temptation is the temptation of stuff. Money, possessions, position. Look at verse 26. All of our campuses, Melbourne, Sebastian, you guys here in Vieira, look at this. What good, we started our service with this, what good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his own soul? Remember, he's asking for a response. Put it in your head, calculate it, does it make sense? Or what can a man give in exchange for a soul? So Jesus says, you need to stop thinking just about today, you need to think about eternity with that perspective. See, most people don't want to think about their death and what happens after they die. Most of us want to think about today and tomorrow and really life here on earth. That's kind of where our focus is. I'm sure most of us, and that's why I'm going to teach on heaven next week, most of us haven't spent a lot of time thinking about heaven. Well, we don't want to be weird with it, but we are going to spend forever there. Now, understand... Our soul, our life, is the real you. It's going to live forever. So I need to have an eternal perspective. Our most valuable possession is my soul. It's priceless. The real me is priceless. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say this? The real me, which is your spirit and your soul, the real me is priceless. Go ahead and tell your neighbor that, would you? Now... When you say that, why is it so valuable? Jesus says it's irrational to spend life trying to own the whole world. Nobody's ever done it. Even when we die, if we have possessions and money and position and power, all that stuff, nothing wrong with having that, but if I base my life on it, when I die, I leave it behind. How much do I leave behind? Everything. Everything I leave behind. You see, when I do that, then I've missed real life and will be separated from God forever in eternity. Now, when you think about that calculation that Jesus is asking him to make, you want to save your soul? Okay, here's what you're going to have to do. Boom, 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 boom. Now, I know there's going to be some issues. You're going to argue about this. Is it really worth it? And he gave us the answers. You have to think correct. Now, in the Bible, we have lots of illustrations of this. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Solomon, David's son. Christianity is not complicated. We just need to follow Jesus. That's it. We don't have to do anything else. It's like getting out of a driver's seat and having someone else control where you go. It's that simple. Pastor Mark told us there are three things we need to do to follow Jesus. Number one, we need to commit to denying ourselves. We need to quit making ourselves number one. Number two, we need to take up our cross. And number three, follow Jesus every day. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark teaches about the free gift of salvation. It's a precious gift, but it's a free gift to us. Jesus paid the greatest price for our salvation. He paid our debt with his life, and he did it willingly. Are you willing to give up your life to follow Jesus? Are you willing to make an eternal choice to follow Jesus? Or will you keep your eyes on temporal things? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope he is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons.